everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. I am Zach, sounding like his head is stuck in a sack. Across from me is Steven Schleicher. Zach, why is your head stuck in a sack? Uh, it's just, it's just, I'm in mourning. And uh, all the way across the internet is Matthew Peterson. That's not actually a sack, Stephen. That's a Shatner mask painted white. We are continuing our trek into scaring uh, Zach as he works his way to fatherhood on Zach on film. Uh, It's a Shatner joke. Yep, we'll we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, It was a really smart joke on my part. And uh, last week we watched Get Out. Yeah. This week we're going back to like an OG horror film in my mind is John Carpenter's Halloween. John Carpenter wrote the uh, the entire score for this movie in three days. From Which is getting to end, considering he, he doesn't know how to read music. He yeah. just knows how to play it. Yeah, but I mean, it is like, I think, what, 15 notes? Something like that. Yeah, but pretty good. It's amazing. Yeah. And he did the same thing on Christine, and that is one of the most memorable parts of these movies is that noise. It's it's some of it is music and some of it like that deedle dee deedle is literally just nails on a chalkboard noise that help to enhance the the edgy kind of oh. It is something I learned about Carpenter in reading about Halloween is I didn't and I don't know if we talked about this when we did the thing. Okay. How many months ago? Years ago? Long time ago. But uh, I didn't realize Carpenter was a musician and did scores for his film and yeah. like a whole other. Side project. Yeah, stuff. you've seen uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He did the whole yeah. soundtrack for that. <laughs> I uh, know Stephen mentioned it during the thing because we had a side discussion about it briefly. I want to say that referenced Big Trouble in Little China, and Stephen will not leave a, a, a Jack Burton reference on no, the table. right? Big Trouble in Little <laughs> China. Big Trouble. Uh, so you have seen a lot of John Carpenter stuff. You have seen The Thing. Yes. You've seen Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Uh, you've seen They Live? Uh, put on the glasses and see the black and white zombie um, aliens? Yeah, I know, I know the m- movie. I've watched it in spurts. Okay. Uh, you've seen Christine? No, probably not. That, Horror no, Car, Stephen uh, King? Yeah, Stephen King's, no, I haven't seen that. Uh, okay. Let's see. And you've seen this one? I've seen Halloween. Uh, there's Prince of Darkness, which is all right, and then there's In the Mouth of Madness, which is I think is really really good. Did he do Lair of the White Worm, or is that <laughs> that's not a real movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's I can't remember if it was him or if it's the other guy. No, he oh, did not God. do that. Who's the other guy's name? His movies include Dark Star, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, Halloween, Someone's Watching Me, Elvis, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, he did Christine, The Fog, is Starman. Good. Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, oh God, Body, body Bags, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., Vampires, Ghosts of Mars, oh God, and The Ward. Is The Fog also a Stephen King novel? Yes. Okay. No, The it's Fog not, is not. Oh, I'm thinking of The Mist. I'm sorry. Oh. The fog yes. is the one the, that has the um, the lighthouse, right? Adrian Barbeau, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of um, Ken Russell. Not uh, John Carpenter did Blair of the White Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. At what point, Matthew, mm-hmm. did John Carpenter just kind of <laughs> fall off the edge of the earth? <laughs> was it? Was um, it? it with, was it with? Uh, was it with? In the mouth of madness in 1995? I mean, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I mean, that one's pretty bad. I didn't hate that one though. I mean, 
it that is a film that's unsuccessful, but it's not unsuccessful because somebody fell off the end of the world. It's unsuccessful because it just never comes together. And you know, Carpenter's doing interesting things, and Jevy Chase is doing interesting things, but they're just not doing interesting say, yeah. things together. <laughs> they're not doing the same interesting things, yeah. and they're fighting each other, and that's part of it. I would say either God, either there or. Village of the Damned, because that Village of the Damned remake was pretty. Is that the one that up. had? Um, it was oh the Christie Alley one, right? Village of the Damned. Yeah, yeah. had the the little white eyed children yeah. from the Children of the Corn. No, that was a remake yeah. of um, Children of the Damned. Yeah, yeah, the original. Yeah, I don't That's know. It's name. just I don't know. It just seems like there's something cool about John Carpenter, where he starts off as this like student filmmaker. Dark Star comes out, everything's cool, and then Assault on Precinct Thirteen with uh, was that Roy Scheider. Um, uh, isn't, no, he's not in that one. That's, uh, Alan Stoker is in that one. Um, that one's pretty good. And then all of a sudden, boom, you hit Halloween. Someone's watching over me. That's a TV movie. Then you hit, uh, Elvis yeah. in the fog, escape from New York, the thing, Christine, yeah. Starman, big trouble in little China, Prince of darkness. And it's just they like, as soon as you hit, they live, yeah. it just kind of goes screech. And it's, it, it seems to coincide with the end of the eighties and the beginning of the nineties. Well, this, this is 78. Yeah. I, and I, I really think that it's the eighties because Carpenter hits like fourth gear in 1978 and is just pumping out movies like every year for a decade and then hits, they live the eighties end, and the John Carpenter just kind of goes. Well, so what like is what it about John Carpenter Carl. that makes it so eighties? Is it because he does practical effects? Is it because he works on a lower budget? Is it because he, Loves you know, the synth? Maybe it's because he loves the synth and synth never survived 1988. I can tell you, I, I think, and I can tell you what I believe it is. And it's actually a moment ago. I almost referenced George Carlin. Uh, Carlin was big in the early seventies. And in 1979, as a decade ended, there was basically a sigh of relief from the public and kind of a feeling of we're moving on to a new phase. It was a, it was, you know, I overused the term. The zeitgeist was, we're on to this new thing. And George had been so prolific throughout the 70s that people were ready to say, okay, we're done with that. Goodbye to CB radio. Goodbye to the 70s. Goodbye to George Carlin. I feel like that may have happened with Carpenter because he had a you know major hit in, 88, in 81, had the fog in 80, 82 was the thing, 83, 84, 86. They live all the way through. He was basically putting out movies mm -hmm, every year mm -hmm. for nearly a decade. And then we get to the end of the 80s, you know, the, the end of that uh, George Herbert Walker Bush presidency. We kind of get into a whole new kind of shtick, actually, the beginning of the Bush presidency. So probably a bad well, example and, there. But that may be it, too. I mean, there's just this change, this uh, zeitgeist change of yeah. what's going on. And suddenly people are like, well, that kind of stuff is kind of passe. And now we want something new and something Dif different. And they expect right. that now that we're in a new decade, we're going to get something new and we're going to get something different. And We're Carpenter, get Andrew Dice Clay. Well, but then, it, but then in the in the nineties, and even in the two thousands, Carpenter is just serving up Carpenter is just serving up the same stuff he did in the eighties. And I wonder if that's the reason why people were just like, eh, pass on. But you know, I really like in the Mad mouth of madness, even though it's really kind of crazy and out of there. I mean, it's uh, you really have to. I guess get it. I guess I don't know, but I mean the. Oh, don't Rick and Morty it, man. Do not. Rick yeah, and Morty. I don't. I don't know. It's it's really it's heavily into the Lovecraft mythos in that and how yeah. it's built, and also it's still trying to play on the popularity of Stephen King, 
in the mouth of madness. And it's just like by the end of the 80s, people are kind of tired of that kind of stuff. So uh, you're right. King also had a had a period like right near the end of the 80s and mm -hmm. the early 90s where he was suddenly passe. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just can't help think. But that John Carpenter is a product of the 80s. That was his thing. And of course, after uh, Ghosts of Mars, he only did one more movie, The Ward, in 2010, but basically went into retirement and didn't do anything else after after Vampires and Ghosts of Mars. And Ghosts of Mars was just a, I don't want to say it's a horrible movie. It's a tough movie to get into. But it is a really, yeah, not a great movie. Is, is it that the 80s were all about John Carpenter, or is it that John Carpenter was all about the eighties in as much as well. And that's what I was, the, the decade was, I mean, the decade was shaped by his, his stories and his films and the things that he was putting on the screen. And, you know, you, like I say, you get to the end of that decade and people are not just saying, okay, it's a new decade. It's a whole new shtick. They're also throwing aside those things. And Carpenter was a big part of the pop culture for those whole, you know, eight, nine years in a row. Yeah. When you think the eighties in movies, a lot of times, and especially when you, not talking about the big movies like the Spielbergs and the Lucases and, and those kinds of things. But when you think about the cult type movies of the late seventies through the late eighties, you really start thinking Stephen King and John Carpenter. And I can't help but think that stranger things is while it does pay an homage really to Spielberg and a lot of his films, there's a lot of John Carpenter and a lot of Stephen King in, in, in stranger things. I mean, especially in the soundtrack. Oh yeah, especially the soundtrack. The soundtrack. Is and the, so the whole open is, is amazing. Yeah, and it's and it's all that way. So I you know, it's it's a shame because really John Carpenter, I think, is really cool as far as someone who can figure out a way to take the budget that he has given and stretch it out a million ways to Thursday, right? And and he's one of these guys that is just like, Oh, you need a soundtrack? Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, give me the weekend and come back Monday morning, <laughs> it'll be finished. Uh, and we don't have to spend any more than five thousand dollars on some some Cheetos and uppers or whatever that he needs to get it done over yeah. the weekend. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't like, I, look I don't at, know if this is a real theory or not, but I might just throw this out there that John Carpenter coming to the eight, the nineties is like, I don't know if I have the skills to make a film while Zach Wolf is alive. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, it is kind of yeah. a breaking point. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's, that's he got clearly nervous. not even a thing that ever, that ever happened. <laughs> so some some food for thought about John Carpenter as we talk about his 1978 smash Halloween that carried on for yeah. 20 plus movies. And you know what's weird is when I started watching Halloween, you know, the opening credits are on. I jump on IMDb, of course. Right. And I think, oh, this was made before the thing? For some reason, I just assumed this was after the thing. I have no oh, why, okay. idea why I just assumed that in my mind going uh, forward in this. This is, what, his third film? Yeah. Third third yep. film? Yeah. But one of them, though, you have to remember, Dark Star was a school project. Oh, cool. Which yeah. is, by the way, an excellent movie. And I yeah, if you haven't it. seen that, you should watch it's it. It's like a feature... Feature length, yeah. Of course, they do run a bunch of stuff again and again and again, and this is one of those where they have to stretch the uh, one of yep. the credit sequences out for 20 minutes. But yeah, nice. it's really good. The nickel budget on that movie where did he, is very well used. Where did he go to school? Uh, where did he go to school? One of the big places? I don't think so. He went to... I don't know. I don't yeah. know where he went to school. I don't see it uh, off the, uh, the top. He of grew up knows. in uh, Kentucky. Uh, okay. Uh, Western Kentucky University and the University of Southern California, but he quit. The University uh, of Southern California. Probably after he made his big movie. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that's the pretty interesting. Cinematic arts. Yeah, the Hallow- Halloween has, from all accounts, a very small budget as well. I saw like $300,000 is kind of what 
this budget, I think I saw on Wikipedia or some other places. Yeah, 300000 to 325000 okay, Yeah, so not like a whole yep. lot of money. And John Carpenter and, only took well, but in seventy-eight 10, terms, that's probably like a million dollars. Well, in well, I mean, okay, so not like that no, would not, be like, no, that would still like be like a whole dollars like money. a very small budget, right? Right, now. right, right. Uh, when John Carpenter took ten thousand dollars plus ten percent profits, right, from the film, which I've apparently surmised that there was some uh, tension there after the film yeah, came out. So the, then, the movie they, ended up yeah. making seventy million dollars, right? Yeah. Just when it came out, and that's a huge amount. I mean, even for nineteen seventy-eight, that's yeah. a huge amount of like money. Two hundred and sixty million in today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 265, uh, counting for inflation. Yeah. And because Carpenter felt like he was owed that 10% and never got it and thought that they were cooking the books uh, and, and screwing him over, when it came time for them to do Halloween H2O, yeah. capital H, capital 2, capital O, right? <laughs> or zero, actually. <laughs> um, Carpenter wanted $10 million to direct the film. And the mm. studio's like, that's ridiculous. We'll never pay that. And he's like, well, that's how much you owe me. So unless you pay me that, I'm off the project. (laughs) And he didn't get to direct the movie. And pretty soon, um, Jamie Lee Curtis dropped out of that as well. Oh, good job for her. Was that the Rob Zombie one or is that something different? No. Rob Zombie remade it in 2007. Right. And then 2009 was the sequel to that movie, which is the only Halloween movie I have actually watched prior to watching this. So H2O is the one that came out around the time of Scream. Right. That's when the 20th anniversary of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because you yeah. get it. You That's... get it, Matthew. It's H two O. Because like it's it's like twenty. You see <laughs> you see how they did that there. It's it's water. It's big water. <laughs> is it was this like what is this? Ocean a, water. Was it a smash up between Halloween and Waterworld? Because that would have been a great movie. <laughs> yeah, it was actually Hallow Water. What makes? <laughs> let me ask you this, Zach. Were you scared from this movie? Did you get scared? Okay, so we need to talk about this. Okay. Uh, there's, Zach doesn't like scary movies, right? I don't like scary movies, but uh, so there's a thing about film that I've discovered having watched so many movies over the past three years doing this podcast is that my mood going into a film can greatly change my perception of a film. Oh, okay. So, uh, of course, that makes sense, right? I mean, that, that makes sense in like, any, yeah. like anything and you do in your life, right? Uh, Going into this film, I watched it on Monday, and Monday was not like a great day because no. we all woke up yeah. to a lot of uh, a, a tragedy in in Las Vegas, and so then Monday was essentially just talking about that with everyone and mm-hmm. going over uh, the history of the last twenty years of America uh, and this continually happening essentially while I've been alive. Uh, so with that in mind, Halloween was not scary to me uh, at all. It. I have not seen this in probably H two O years, right? Okay, I probably yeah. haven't seen this in twenty years. That's and, not a number. Yes, water years. Uh, water years. It's big water. Yeah. Oh god. Stop it. Oh sweet <laughs> Jesus! It's my new favorite quote. That and please clap. <laughs> so I probably have not seen this movie in twenty years, and yeah. I was I was bored. Okay, good. I'm glad it wasn't just but me. But the reason why I'm bored is not because this is a bad movie. I'm bored. Because I've seen Freddy. I've seen Freddy mm-hmm. versus Jason. I've seen Aliens. I've seen uh, The Thing. I have seen, uh, uh, um, what's the, I've seen the Saw movies. I've seen, seen yeah, I've seen all that. So I am desensitized mm-hmm. to what John Carpenter was bringing and revitalizing the slasher films in 1978. 
Yeah, you got you got yeah. beatalized, basically. You you are so aware of the things that this movie influenced and shaped and created uh-huh. that looking at it feels really familiar. It's like when you have a conversation with me and you catch a reference <laughs> and you're like, that reference is terrible and dated because, you know, I say that all the time. And then you realize there was another reference in there that you didn't get. It's just like that, except, you know, not as arrogant <laughs> on my part. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen actually the great thing about watching this was I understood that Michael Myers is Halloween. Jason right. is Friday the 13th. Right. Freddy Krueger right. is Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Street. None of right. those movies I've actually ever watched, but going into this, I thought it was Jason. No, if you watch, I would say if you watch, um, when did, um, Nightmare on Elm Street come out? 1984 or something like that. Yeah. 1984. Yeah, so between 78, movie, yeah, so between 78 and 84, there's this huge, explosion of horror films geared towards teens, right? Mm -hmm. You watch just, you know, four or five years later, six years later, you watch Nightmare on Elm Street, totally different film and blood and guts and gore. I mean, stuff they could get away with, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if in 78 you could actually show uh, Michael, you know, slitting somebody's throat or, you know, if this, if Halloween were done today, you would actually see, uh, the boyfriend at the end of the film being raised up, you would see the knife go through his gut and then you would do a reverse shot to the backside of the door where the knife is coming out the backside of the wall or the door or whatever. <laughs> and then instead of just cutting down to the foot and showing, oh my gosh, this boy is impaled off the floor, you'd actually see like a trickle of blood run down the foot and start p- puddling there on the floor. That's how you would did do you, that film today. Did you ever see Rob Zombie's Halloween movies? I don't think so. Okay, so I only I've watched, watched the House sequel, of a Thousand which was Corpses. Really stupid. I don't know why. <laughs> I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses. I think that's the is, only Rob Zombie film I've seen. Yeah, the Rob Zombie Halloween movie, at least the second one, um, which for some reason at one point features like a white horse, it is very gory and bloody. And one specific scene I always seem to remember from that movie is there's a golden shower sequence. Michael like Myers, a golden, true golden shower sequence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it was I'm still, I'm still wondering if Zach knows what a golden shower sequence is. It, I, I, I kind of am. It's just, I mean, like it was a PP tape. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. On a scale of one to 10, you're an eight. Okay. Is what you're saying. Uh, and so <laughs> that movie was very violent. This movie is definitely like the subdued violence. I, uh, someone referenced it being influenced by Hitchcock's Psycho. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was just going to bring yeah. up. I mean, think about Psycho. Psycho doesn't have a lot of gore. No. Uh, what Psycho is, is that psychological horror of, oh, look what he did. What did he do to that's his mother? Look what he did to her, her, her in the shower. Yeah. You can kind of put some of those same techniques here in, in Halloween where... Yes, a lot of the, at some points, you know, the door opening up and the girl is stuffed in there and she's got the same <laughs> dumb expression like when she was that strangled was so in the great. car yeah. is is more humorous. <laughs> yeah, but if you think funny. about it back then, it was like, oh my God, that's, you know, a jump scare. That's, yeah. that's scary. Today it would be totally different. Oh no, that sequence when they're like all three bodies are discovered. Yeah. It was, not, it was not, it was like the least jumpy jump scares. I just, I've but I remember though, as a kid in 78, for kids that had older brothers and sisters who saw this. Mm-hmm. That's all people would talk about. And then he went into a room and they put the tombstone on the bed and it was so scary. And then the body comes falling off the ceiling yeah. and it's like, ah, and it's like, oh my God, it's like, this sounds like the scariest movie ever. And then it wasn't until yeah. like 1982, 83, 84, somewhere around there where I finally saw it and was like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. But I just, 
saw Nightmare on Elm Street last week, and this is not as horrifying. Right. It's still scary. Yeah, because I've always heard Halloween is terrifying, and everyone well, what's always terrifying told me about it's it? scary. Well, Let me ask you I mean, what. Well, because it's everyone your age, you know, as my parents, being like, Halloween is terrifying. Like, don't watch it. It's scary. And... <laughs> And going back in time, realizing watching this, it had to have been terrifying. Even like Roger Ebert's review of this, I think he might have like pissed himself in the theater. <laughs> he, he seemed like in his review, he was like, this was the scariest thing of all time. And but I just like did not get that from this movie. I think I understand where people are coming from in that Michael Myers throughout this is like this giant stalking monster. And that he's just like always in the corner of the screen or someone looks and sees him and then he's not there. Ah. I'm, I'm thinking that is like the 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 big horror about this. And then obviously like the stabby stabby stuff. But to me, what I... Well, we know we talk about Jaws and like Jaws works because you don't ever see the shark, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I thought we saw Michael Myers' face, the mask he was wearing, too soon and too often Mm. for because it was like such a weird looking mask right right and it was so strange i don't know i feel like there could have been a better reveal of it like look at this crazy lunatic wearing a mask yeah maybe but you know you don't see his head until the third act you don't see that mask until the third no you don't see the mask until the third act most of the rest of the time you're either seeing through his pov or they're framing it where the top of his head is cut off. You can see it when he's standing across the street. You can see it right. when he's driving in the when car. He's standing, when he's standing behind the hedge. Yeah. Down at them. You do see it. You see it in, in long shots. And it, it, it. Yeah, sure. To me, it looks weird and eerie and, and kind of surreal. I think that that actually worked for me because we kept seeing these little bits and pieces of it. And you're like, what's wrong with his face, you guys? <laughs> And maybe it's the fact that, you know, we all are watching it now knowing in 2017 that that's the iconic thing that uh, they, bought a, they bought a $2 Captain Kirk mask and they painted it white and it was brilliant. And yeah, it is brilliant. It's really frightening to me because I am still thinking just about that part where he kind of leans out from behind the hedge mm-hmm. and you see Jamie Lee Curtis and her 35 year old housewife, uh, high school junior friend. Going, what's that? And then they they run up to find him, and he's gone. Yeah, that's eerie. That is that is scary. I I have a theory why maybe people were really terrified by this more than they should. Number one, okay. you don't see a lot of blood and gut stuff. No. At the end of the nineteen sixties, yeah, you had the Zodiac Killer, right? Yeah, you had a guy running around uh, killing people supposedly with a hood on his on his uh, face so people can uh, see who he was. Okay, right. So that's enough to kind of strike fear in people. It's like, where's this guy going to be next? Don't be alone. He's going to come out of nowhere. He's going to kill you. Ten years later, in 1977, we have David Berkowitz, the son of Sam Killer, right? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Serial killer. So, Matthew, tell us about David Berkowitz and son of Sam. (laughs) See, this is the one that I don't know just as well. David Berkowitz, I want to say he was in, was he in San Francisco? I think he was New York. Was he New York? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. So the, the killings um, began in the summer of 1976 mm-hmm. and he would go around killing people with this, uh, with a gun. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, is he the one that was the postal carrier I'm trying to remember or not? 
Um, oh, but and when he was taken into custody in 1977, mm. he said that he was possessed by a demon. Right. Uh, uh, and the demon was actually talking to him in the form of his neighbor's dog. His neighbor's Uh-oh. dog was talking to him and telling him who to kill and when to kill. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about, uh, the summer of fear, I think that's what it was called. The summer of fear. If you think about what it would be now, what was going on at the time, people were just like scared to death of, you know, who's going to die next. We don't know where this is coming from in any kind of serial killer yeah. kind of situation. You don't know yeah. what's going to happen uh, next. And so I think this idea, especially coming off of, of the Berkowitz stuff, mm. coming off of that, this idea that there's someone running around this town, this mm. idyllic little town of kids are going out to do Halloween stuff and look, the, the girls are being nice, but, you know, they're kind of doing stuff on the sly. And then people are getting killed is horrifying and may bring back some of that terror of sure. what's behind the bushes, what's behind the door, what what happens if I say something to that guy driving to the, down the street and make him mad? He's going to jump out and shoot me. going to kill me. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? So there may be a little bit of that added into this mix, this overall fear going on in the country of serial killers and unknown serial killers and, and who's going to um, who's going to yeah. strike next. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that, that theory we talk about a lot with like the stock market in horror movies. Yeah. Does Halloween fall within that pattern? Like, I don't, I don't know. Stop. It would be uh, 1978. Eight. So you're like a uh, Carter administration, right? Right before Reagan Which takes over. You, you would be in, in the, it would be heavy inflation. Yeah. It would be, you know, lower stock markets. And a lot of the things that you see in 78 wasn't like a depression, but it was the first time they ever started referring to something as a recession. Right. Mm. So yeah, it would have been definitely a time of economic angsting. Mm-hmm. And that's when the good the, horror movies come out, right? Or yeah. when we love it is when yeah, the no, when the down? economy when the economy is doing when the eto- economy is doing good, that's when uh, the the horror movies come out, right? And when the economy is bad, that's when you see less of that. Oh, right? I can't remember. I can't remember. What yeah, the I think that's is. what it is. Yeah, there's another thing that pops up in here. Matthew made fun of me last week when I said it. Okay, <laughs> but this movie is all about if you're having premarital sex, you're gonna die. Yeah, is this like and I. And Carpenter apparently has said that's not <laughs> what he was doing at no, all. No, it's just not. Like, but just I mean, teens, that's a, a trope that, teens that pops up. Se- yeah, because yeah. well, one of I mean the reason, at least when I was uh, between the ages of twelve and fifteen, you, you wanted were just to watch getting it on you left wanted and to, right. Yeah, no, no, you wanted to watch horror movies because you were guaranteed oh, yeah, there was going to be yeah. boobies. Yeah, and right. uh, I don't know pre Halloween if that was the case, but you know you you get that throughout this film. <laughs> And I mean, for 1978, you get you get boobies throughout the film. Well, you get that in a lot of movies from the 1970s and in the early 80s because it's just lax. Anyone can do what they want. Yeah, pretty, pretty lax regulations or or structure in the code. So if you look at like 60s and, and early 70s horror movies, you do occasionally see some references to, you know, the bad girls getting killed or in some cases, you know, the bad boys getting killed. But really, the sexual revolution of the 70s had kind of come around. 78 is Halloween. 1980 is Friday the 13th. Those are really where it gets codified, where you have sex and you die. Yeah. Um, They didn't quite yet get in these films to a black person dies first because there actually are no people of color in either Halloween or Friday the 13th. But some of these early tropes where, you know, if if you're naughty, you die. If you're mean, you die. If you have sex, you die. Yeah, that all kind of comes pure, out of this. If you're pure, you're pure like Jamie Lee Curtis. You live. Yeah. 
but this is also the beginning of that you know that meta textuality of the story because it's it's only 1984 or 85 by the time of Nightmare on Elm Street where mm-hmm. that is actually almost played for laughs right right and then you get to the scream movies and it is yeah, literally, it's literally played the for point. laughs yeah it's literally it's part, the point of the halloween the movie yeah or the scream and movies and that's only 18 16 17 years later by the time we get to scream scream excuse me i have the hiccups but yeah i've got a question i'm always looking for different takes okay on stuff yeah Mm-hmm. Do we know for sure that the one they're claiming is the adult Michael Myers is really Michael Myers? What a weird theory, but let's go down that hole. The only reason I say is because six-year-old Michael Myers kills his sister for having sex. Mm-hmm. And then his parents send him off to the institution. We don't hear from him for 16 years. And right. suddenly, really cool Donald Pleasance shows up and just is right. talking about this, this patient, this patient, this patient, this patient, yeah. and this patient has escaped. Yeah. And even when he's calling the police and telling him about the patient, he's never using the name Michael Myers. Sure. And so part of me as I'm watching this film is like, oh, what if this some this is someone who is even more insane than Michael Myers, who has fallen in love with this story of this kid who has killed his sister because she was having sex and is going to try and do that himself? Well, so that would be a fair reading potentially until the movie was broadcast on television on NBC mm-hmm. because to fill into the two hour limit, uh, Carpenter had to film extra footage and he did the doctor talking to ah. the kid inside of the mm-hmm. hospital. Ah, okay. Which is also a big plot point in Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. Cause I still know that. Um, that wouldn't be like an insane theory in general because i mean you've seen copycat mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. in the real world right um it would certainly be odd uh, maybe you could just uh navigate the doctor never using his name by saying he was like a really strict follower of hippo code <laughs> or it could be you know that they wrote the script in 10 days <laughs> yeah no it could um. be that too. but i just i just found it odd that at no point even when they go to the house the sheriff is just like, no, this is the place where it happened. Like, okay, if I was a copycat or, or a copycat serial killer, I would probably get off going to the, the, the source. You know, mm-hmm. this is where that kid told me, or I heard the stories about where this kid killed everybody. Oh, I'm going to do it all here again. It just is. It's just really, really weird. And no, I do not think that the HIPAA is I don't uh, know, playing man. a part of this. I think it could be. In 1978. It really could be. No. Uh, I just found it interesting. I just, I just found it really weird that that's what they did, and it's almost that, like an out that you could say, "Well, this is why he keeps coming back again and again and again," you know, that, because there's different copycat killers. That would solve one of my problems with this film, which is is that I, I never quite understand why Michael Myers is killing anyone. It's like, crazy. Well, what's his motivation? What is his motivation? There's a couple of theories on that, and that's what I, I need. I need a, a motivation for the killer. Well, I can tell you three important things. One, okay. HIPAA was enacted in 1996 by Bill Clinton. Damn it. Uh, two, <laughs> there are many people who theorize that the reason that Michael, and I think this may be contextually part of one of the remakes. I don't know if it's the zombie remake or what, that Michael was actually disturbed by the noises of uh, <clears throat> happy grown-up fun time, it's, it's which sex. led him. 
Yeah, I know. Oh, you call it what you want. We'll call it what we want. <laughs> it's it's super happy fun time in my house because there are children here. Right. But more importantly, um, I think that I, I don't know if I buy it, but I've actually heard the theory that he heard his sister having so much sex when he was so young. And it messed up his head, and he basically started equating it and hating it and going, oh, no, no, everyone must be ended. Also, what I think is really happening, and this is my personal take, is that Michael Myers was driven mad by the fact that wherever he went, someone was playing on a piano. <laughs> and he can hear that. Uh-huh. That music is actually playing in his head. Uh-huh. So when we see from his perspective or when we see him scenes with him in it, that music is in his head and it has driven him past the point of, of, uh, of rationality to where he wants to make the music stop. Mm. He's just got to get to the but, end of the film. Could be. Well, you know, he got the whole of Halloween three off, so it's not like they tortured him <laughs> every one of them. That's good. That was just I was watching it and you know people said he was upset about his sister having sex which I find odd you know I, know, I mean well, it's like he was outside the house it's a freudian sort of thing though i mean if you were to say that you're really attached to someone as a child to have that someone giving attention that you don't understand to someone else I'm not sure. saying that I buy it, but I can definitely see a point being made there. Okay. Well, I'm not on board, but and if, I'll go with it. If if you somehow witnessed and or heard that and, you know, took that feeling of betrayal and loss and, and abandonment and turned that into, you know, because you are seriously disturbed, even at six, turn it into something and equated the sex with the anger and the revenge, I can, I can see that. I mean, you've really ought to really... Talking. Probably ought to really go and look up serial killers and things that motivate them, especially the ones that are. Don't do it in the dark. <laughs> well, don't no, don't do, do it in, it the, in dark. the dark. Don't do it with a box and don't do it with a fox. Um, don't but, do it. Don't do it right now, because if you look up serial killers, you will find pictures of Ted Bundy. And yeah. Ted Bundy's eyes, even 20 years after his death through the Internet, will pierce into your very heart and soul, my friends. And uh, you'll also find uh, John Wayne Gacy pictures and those will uh, scare you to don't, death. Don't even look at those. Yeah, just don't. Actually, don't even look you, at those. You don't look at those, but go see the movie It instead. You'll have uh, you'll have the new one? thoughts. Yes, <laughs> I kind of want to now. People say don't it's so good. I kind of want to see it now. Yeah, but I hate well, to. Uh, I, I, the not, well, hmm, there's a lot of problems with I think with it the both the book source material and yeah. any movie adaptations. Mm, the well, source yeah. the source material has has some big kingisms uh, that become problematic in terms of the plot, and but, at least. If you're looking at an adaptation, the ending of the of the first part of the book, the, where this movie is, ends, does not include the thing that uh, everyone yeah, was a, like, oh, are they going to do that in the film? No, you cannot well, have. The, the ritual to become an adult is an important part of that book, and it's icky, yeah. and it's it's as gross as the murders in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm, yeah um, but yeah, fun. and it, you can't put that in a movie necessarily. No, although, not with kids. Although in... The the John Boy version, yeah, they they Kinda. bumped up against it. Yeah, they did. I mean, granted, it was ABC television, but they they bumped up against it in ways that I found were not necessarily brave, but a little bit unnerving anyway. Yeah, one of the big uh, things of Halloween seemed to be their use of like a pseudo first 
person view camera, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie. It's how we start. To. Yeah, with Michael Myers like peering into mm-hmm. the window mm-hmm. and you get the mask on the camera. And then you um, get the boodles. Boodle, boodle, de boodle, de boodle. Yeah. I think, uh, do you mean boobs? No. He's no, talking the about the music. Oh, the music. Boodle, <laughs> boodle, uh, No, wait, I'm sorry. That's the theme to NCIS. The... So it was an interesting thing. And we talk, we've talked probably about preferred focal length to make it look like a human eye. Have we ever talked about that? No, we uh, talked 50, about it in class. 50 millimeter is basically what you would have as a normal human eye view. Yeah. So I, I, I was, feel like we've referenced it. I'm sure we have at one point. One issue I had with it is that they, they set the beginning of the film with this first person view. Mm-hmm. It's like a steady cam shot. With, I mean, probably like a 50 millimeter. It kind of looked yeah, kind of something, wider. It yeah, a little bit wider. Probably a little wider. Yeah. And then they use that technique a couple other times in the film when it's not supposed to be a first person mm-hmm. view, which then I I felt like you, you, you said it. It was like your first shot. You set this you know, cinematic tone of this is first person. And then if you're using a different time, I mean, it was visually throws you off it throws you off because yeah. it's when Jimmy Lee Curtis is running back to the home she was babysitting at and Michael's like walking like a daisy old behind her mm-hmm. to get across the street mm-hmm. and they they use that same setup of mm-hmm. that that focal length of a lens on a city cam and they follow her in and they just show her from like the side going to the house and then they cut back and Michael's like way across the street and so I was like mm-hmm. well you you've already told us this is Michael Myers view then to use that setup is is off to me. Well, um, well, keep in mind, um, this is John Carpenter's second professional movie. Hey, you know, he dropped out of film school, or I'm sorry, he quit film school. Yeah, to uh, make a movie. To make a movie, but sure, sure, you might think that there's still some inexperience going on. If you oh, go sure. and watch Steven Spielberg's, um, what is it, the Duel? Well, Duel is one. That's the 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 truck chasing. Uh, the car, but the one before that with Goldie Hawn. If you watch the one with Goldie Hawn, um, what's it called? The overboard? overboard? overboard. No, 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 not overboard. <laughs> Captain Ron? No. Uh, Private Benjamin? Snatch? Laugh-In? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Sugarland Express. Kind of the same thing. There, You see oh, a lot of inexperience mm. in the director. Okay. In, is, that, is that the one where the trains are alive? No. That's the, the that's the sound of music. Skate. What? <laughs> the trains are alive for the sound of music. I hate you. <laughs> I quit this show. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> no, but I mean, and even and even then, uh, the uh, you know, it's not the director who's always choosing the the lens. I mean, the director no, is there to direct the film, to to lead the film. Cinematographer Dean uh, Kundi. Uh, could be even more so at it, but I mean, he worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and he's uh, worked with Spielberg and Zemeckis and and others. So you know, he he's probably learning as well. By the time um, by the time seventy eight hits, uh, he has directed or he has uh, been the director of photography for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen movies. So you know, some of that it may be years. second unit director. Yeah. Some of it could be. Um, you know, more so, but, uh, you know, Halloween marks his first collaboration with John Carpenter. And I want to say that he was John Carpenter cinematographer going forward from there. Okay. Yeah. That was just one thing that stood out to me. I think the rest of it 
Uh, oh my gosh, he also did Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future Part 3. Oh gosh, how did you not know that? I did not know There's, that. Well, because those two aren't really very good films uh, well, compared to the, the first one. Yeah, first sure. one. Oh he, he plays with the, 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 the edges of the frame a lot, mm-hmm. which yeah. worked really well. Yeah. There's one scene where we see like over the shoulder shot of Michael as Laurie is walking away for what feels like half an hour. And she's just walking and we see over the shoulder and we hear the boodily boodilies and she's just walking and we see over the shoulder. And after a few seconds of this, I started to get really, really anxious and I started to get irritated and I'm like, Are they, what's going to happen? You know, I started having a, you know, an old lady watching a horror movie in the afternoon, not mentioning any personal experiences with uh, my work situation, but it was one of those moments where I felt like on the one hand, as you know, as a, as a creator, as a cinematographer, the scene felt wrong. It felt like it was something that could have been done much more succinctly. It could have been done better. And yet it made me anxious and it really started, you know, upsetting me and bothering me. And I'm wondering if that made it successful because I was like, what's wired? What the, what well, it, it kind of goes back to the Eddie Murphy routine we were talking about last week. The more you leave that up there and the more you make people anxious, the more you get people to start screaming in the theater. Look out. He's right behind you. Look out. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> it draws people in to that experience even more and adds to that, you know, films that we've talked about before are shared experiences and really uh, are best when everyone can enjoy the scare and everyone can enjoy the laugh. Mm-hmm. Right. And so part of that, uh, screaming at the screen or yelling to get out or, or whatever, I think brings a little bit more to the, to the, to the scaredness or the, the scary factor of the film. So yeah, Matthew, if, if you're sitting there and you're starting to feel anxious, imagine what some younger yeah. person or what some older person who's sitting there in the theater with you at the time <laughs> seeing it would probably actually be going, look out, he's right behind you. And that would yep. be that would bring everyone to kind of do that quick jump and then kind of giggle and laugh. Mm-hmm. And that gives you yeah. enough time to get through that emotional experience as the scene plays out as you go into the next bit. Yeah. And there was also that long tracking shot at the beginning that I became kind of really aware of with the when they were doing with the with the POV shot where it was the long and then the mask thing and then it comes down oh, and yeah. we're doing the thing. I mean, that that felt like it was really interesting, not necessarily technically polished, but really interesting. And I started wondering, were there cuts or is oh, it? Oh, I'm really sure it's this, not. It's not. It's not one take. Shot? It's not one take. Eh. I mean, the, the, even though, yeah, you know, it, it was cut, it was put together to feel like one. Oh, well, yeah. That you're seeing shot. everything from good. one point of view. Sure. That was pretty neat. Yeah. Do you think that Carpenter had ever been to Indiana, Indiana before he made this film? Well, he grew up in Kentucky, so... <laughs> well, that was what Possibly. I... That was what I... The film started, and it said it was in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And you get to the first scene, and then they the kids are getting out of school. Yeah. And he said, this is not Indiana. <laughs> no one no one in the Midwest <laughs> has an open classroom, like, school setting. Right, like right, that, where right, Kids right. are like... There's like no With hallways. That, yeah. The did California you see the palm trees yeah. occasionally. Well, and then it was like, it's Halloween and everything's still green. I'm like, yeah. no. Yeah. It's October. No, it's not happening. Well, Hollywood doesn't know about the changing of the seasons. <laughs> Which was like, I just thought was I'm like, oh, it's like, 
to me was just funny just from the school i'm like no that's not indiana because it's north of kansas and it gets hella cold up there (laughs) and no one's no one's walking to class like that in december and also dark yeah and it should have been dark this entire movie when it was light and i guess the other thing that's really weird about this is it's halloween kids are supposed to be out trick-or-treating and there's like nobody trick-or-treating you know maybe they didn't have a good neighborhood because when we lived off of main street no one came by our our Mm. house at all well, you know, this is 1978, Zach. You were allowed to go and and yeah, you were allowed to go wander everywhere. the streets, <laughs> literally wander the streets for hours, and there wouldn't be parents, and there wouldn't be worries about you know people putting stuff in your food or your candy. <laughs> there wouldn't be like terrible things because it was 1978, man. Right? They didn't even know that the doors locked until 1983 in <laughs> Indiana. They're like, "What's this button for? I don't know. Let's go to the park." That's how people in Indiana talk. So was <laughs> if you're from Indiana and listening, I'm sorry. That was a joke. So do you think Halloween has deserved the longevity of the film and love that it continues to receive and has been remade over and over and over? Well, but see, it's, they're not it's being so remade, remade, remade. It's well, it's, it's a sequel, sequel, written, sequel. Well, it's and a sequel, each sequel, time, sequel, remake, sequel. homage, remake, yeah. homage. The but answer each, is yes. But each the time they're upping it, they're turning up that that, va- that violence. Va- violence. Yeah. But yes, it does, and because um, it's when we talk about horror movies. For a long time, anybody who was talking about horror movies literally meant a slasher flick. That was inspired by or referencing Halloween. That's true, because if you're thinking the Frankensteins and the um, Wolfmans and the Draculas, those are monster movies. Those aren't horror movies. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a big distinction between those two. Yeah, the, the modern horror film doesn't start here, but this is a major early heavy duty kind of watershed point for it because this is really where a lot of your 80s and 90s horror movies even going forward into the 2000s you know you get into something like clive barker's nightbreed still has elements of halloween and things that come from halloween and you know the idea that your your villain character dies and but he's not really dead you guys mm-hmm. and the the repeated jump scares that have now become a cliche because people were overusing them and throwing them in i mean the first time we see the shape or michael in play we get a jump scare we get a scare chord we get a and all of the things that we see in this movie keep recurring in movies both good and bad if you look at Maximum Overdrive, a lot of the setup of Maximum Overdrive in that first half hour is very similar to the setup of Halloween in the beginning of this flick. Yeah. A lot of the movies that we have come to know and love, you know, if you say, what's your favorite horror movie, Zach? I don't I don't have get a sound opinion. Out. Yeah, probably get out. Because yeah, I've only be. watched uh, truly about seven horror movies. My favorite horror Ooh, movie or The Shining is Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. And the reason for that is, is because that the, is that the one with the the dream police that go in there and and uh, no you're you're thinking of Nightmare on Elm Street four, four? okay the four. Dream Warriors I, I remember watching those back to back one night my parents actually rented both those and we watched them back to back on VHS awesome Friday yeah. the Thirteenth three is right on the cusp of we can show blood mm-hmm. or caro syrup but still at a point where they're doing it in a way that feels 
like they're working at it. The three is the one where the couple is having sex and they get killed with a spear that goes through both of them yeah. and lodges in the floor. And when it comes to your slasher horror, uh, re, re, re kind of movies, that to me is the high point. That's like, that's your Waterloo. That's up there on the mountain. What do they call that thing? Nanda Parbat, whatever you want to do, but you wouldn't have it without Halloween. And you wouldn't have a scream without Halloween. And in a lot of ways, you wouldn't have about half of Get Out mm-hmm. without a Halloween setting up these, you know, we, we say tropes probably too much, but setting up these tricks of the trade and the things that would become horror movie and slasher flick tropes. In um, over at Rotten Tomatoes, they have the top 100 horror movies list. Yeah. Now there's some of them that again, I would say are monster movies. Frankenstein, the 1931 Frankenstein comes in at Is number nine. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then they also have, what else they have King Kong from 1933 and at number five, that's also, well, I, I would consider that a horror. Movie and I know I, all, that's bro. why I would call those monster movies. But according yeah. to Rotten Tomatoes, they're listing them in the horror movie categories. Number one, get out. Number two, sure. the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. That's Number cool. three is, from yes, from 1920, yes. That's a good one. Then there's Psycho. Then there's Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror from 1922. That will scare the F-bomb out of you. They've got Bride of Frankenstein on there. Babadook comes in at number eight. Rosemary's Baby, mm. which I'm I'm pretty sure I understand now why we didn't put that on this list and we went with The Omen instead. Because <laughs> it's too much baby. Yeah. It's too much. Zach will be like freaking out. <laughs> Rosemary's uh, baby is too scary. I wouldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do it either. Not before you're having a kid. Uh, <laughs> Halloween comes in all the way down at number 35. Really? It still has a 93% rating. Uh, right above it is Carrie. And right above it, again, one. not a horror movie, Young Frankenstein at number 33. It's not a horror movie. Oh, that's such a good movie. Though. It's but a good it's movie, not a, though, it's but it's a, a comedy. comedy. <laughs> but this is the thing. It's not a parody it's, it's also a not a horror funny movie. Horror movie. It's, it's a, a monster. It's a monster movie. I'm trying to. I was going to look and see where Scream falls on this, and I don't see it yet. Re, re, re. Scream doesn't hold up well. No, it doesn't. I've been watching. I saw Scream and Scream Three, but strangely not two. <laughs> nope, and, no Scream. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm doing a search for Scram. <laughs> there was something else no that I saw recently that was just had not aged well from like the 2000s in that horror capacity. So, uh, bottom line, Zach, did your wife watch this with you? <laughs> no. She sat in the bedroom and I think watched So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, now so that's scary. You think you can dance. <laughs> yeah. So, no, she uh, is not going to be participating in any right. of these films. All right. Well, coming up next week on Zach on Film, The Ring. Very exciting. A movie that I probably should have watched when I was in junior high, and I probably potentially could have like held a girl's hand through it, but I uh, didn't even get that, because who wants to watch a girl come out of a well? Is that this movie? That's this movie. This one with a tape, right? And then yes. you die? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm. Uh, it'll be a lot of nostalgia in thinking about sitting on couches in uh, friends' living rooms while we watch So have you this. seen this movie? No. No, oh, okay. No, I know. We did watch horror movies randomly, but... Um, I didn't get one. into it as much as some people. All right. We'll and watch so that I've next week on Zach The on Ring film. and very exciting. In the meantime, head to MajorSpoilers.com. You can find this podcast posting page. You can give all your thoughts about Halloween and all the cool <laughs> uh, stuff you've ever thought about oh, that movie. Oh, you know what? If you're buying Halloween stuff, yeah. now is the best time to do it using that link at Amazon.com. Yeah. It's not going to cost you anything extra. Trust me, it doesn't cost you anything extra 
But every time you make a purchase, a little bit comes back our way. That Jeff Bezos guy has to yeah. give us some money. Exactly. That's the law. And that's and that's the only way we're able to keep major spoilers going is through your support. And that's the only way Jeff Bezos will ever give you money. That's the only way he's ever <laughs> going to give us money. And so we'll see you next week on Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.